Welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician. Welcome, everybody. How are you guys doing? My name is Peyton Shelton, and I am still the newest member of Marari Brass Quintet. Um, I think I'll always be the newest member until one somebody else leaves or something else. I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> but anyways, I have the wonderful, wonderful opportunity to interview Miss Jessie, our wonderful, fantastic, I'm giving too many wonderful adjectives for you. I mean, sometimes you miss a note, I guess. I don't um, mind. It's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> she flips her hair. You can't see it because this is a podcast. Um, but anyways, I have the opportunity to get to know or help you get to know our French horn player, Jessie. Um, and so let's, you know, let's just get right down to it, okay? Let's do so it. So what do you do away from the French horn, huh? Do you, the only thing you do is French horn, or do you do stuff away from that? How do you how do you work this? Well, the good part is there's not a lot in my life that is outside of music, but I do have a lot in my life that is outside French horn. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I get it. When I I originally started on the piano, uh, my mom was a piano player and she was a teacher as well, so that's kind of where I started. Really? And yeah, and that kind of always stuck with me. And um, I took lessons for a while, and just it ended up. Actually, this is kind of neat because I, I quit because I, I didn't like my original teacher. Well, she was my second teacher after we moved. I loved my first teacher. She was this German lady. She was fantastic. She had these, like, <laughs> huge, like, octagon glasses. And when she would take them and put them on her head, she had these little divots in her cheeks because she had such, from her, like, from her glasses. rosy cheeks. Yeah, it was so great. <laughs> she was so – I loved her. And she was a German lady, and she would always say, one, two, three. And I always loved that. I was, like, four years old when I started with her. She was great. Um, but then we moved and I got a different teacher and I, I didn't, I didn't, I just kind of stopped liking it. Um, so I just kept playing piano. And the reason I kept playing piano is because I love to sing. So it was a really good oh, opportunity yeah. for me to accompany myself. And you didn't have to have somebody around to be able to sing. Cause I love Broadway. I love it. If I no could joke. see shows literally every day of my life, I would be the happiest person on this planet. <laughs> Man, if so, I could do stuff like that too, I'd have a lot more money. That's for oh sure. Oh my god, jeez. Oh my god, I, I wish there was like some sort of job where you just had to go to shows and you just literally had to spread the joy of what that show was because I would be <laughs> perfect for that. Um, I've never sounds like a, like a like a New York Times Broadway reviewer. Listen, really yeah, but like one that's gonna bring joy to everything because there's no show that I've seen where I'm like, mm, I didn't like that. I just love them really? all. So really? yeah. So You're when people a horrible critic, Jessie. I'm horrible. People ask me like, "Oh, what's your favorite show?" And I'm like, "Oh God, I can't even give you an answer. All of them, because there's something in every show that I end up absolutely falling in love with." I was actually just saying the other day, I'm at my sister's house. So I'm just outside New York City right now, which is really hard to not go down into the city because the that's city. all yeah. I want to do. Um, but uh, we were talking about it, and I was like, "You know what's so great about Apple Music right now is that." <laughs> Whenever I'm in a show at intermission, I just download the freaking soundtrack because then I can listen to it on the way home. It's so great. Um, but I mean, I just love Broadway. If I could, if I, I literally, if I could do that and just like have that a part of my life more often right now, I mean, I go down to the city as much as I can to see shows. My mom and I have done sure. a couple of epic trips where we go down for the weekend and we see five shows in like three days. It's the Holy best. Moly. Yeah. I'm just like, no joke, really? Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I always try to see shows more than once because I know I'm not going to get it all the first time. And I 
Like one of my favorite things, and this is even in music with Marari or any other music that I listen to, you always find that like one nugget where you're like, God, I love this oh, part. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, I'm yeah. like waiting for it, you know, the whole time. And it's like, oh my God, I cannot wait to hear that part again. So, um, so what's, your, what's your favorite show you've seen so far? I mean, if you've seen all these shows. If you had to pick one show, what is like the penultimate or like the penultimate before last? But like, what is like the apex? Yeah. Cream of the crop you've seen. I mean, that's a, like I said, a really hard question because I love all of the shows I've seen. Um, I mean, I have categories like I love Annie because it was the first show I ever saw, so that like really stuck with me. Um, yeah. I loved Miss Saigon because that was the first time um, I went to the city and we saw a bunch of shows with a high school group, and I actually shouted out in surprise, like just total knee jerk reaction. Um, so this is a little bit of a spoiler, but like, oh, you're that kind of person, huh? Oh, I am. And I'm I not mean, I go see any movies with you on tour. <laughs> this is like a group effort when I go to see shows. So like we were sitting there and sorry, spoiler alert for anybody who's has not seen Miss Saigon and would like to see it. You should turn this part of the podcast down for the next minute. <laughs> but I went to see the show and it was the part where, um, Kim finally gets to Chris after all of this time. And he obviously didn't know that she had a baby, which was their baby. And so she, he's like, oh, I'm married now. And she's like, oh, my God. And so finally introduces her son. And she's like, basically, you can see, like, what, is she, like, what am I going to do now? He's married. Like, I can't, I don't know what to do. And so she's like, can you excuse me? And she goes off, like, throughout a back door. And this huge gunshot happens because she shoots herself. And it totally, like, I was not expecting that at all because I saw it the first week it opened. So, like, there wasn't a lot, like, you know nobody really knew the whole story whatever and so i knee-jerk reaction was like what the hell just happened like i just yelled it and and there are obviously a lot of other people that were like oh, you know like this collective gasp you know and of course my mom was like what are you doing <laughs> stop talking but i, I almost oh couldn't God. like i get that so into shows and i mean i like i really obviously i want to be respectful and i learned to like okay hold it in you know <laughs> Um, but I mean, I love that part of it because it was so much of a surprise. I had no idea. Um, but I would say that if I had to pick one that I was just like wrecked after just like the go. whole yes, experience, um, it was next to normal. I have I, no idea what that is. I oh my God. Well, my it's wife does, but I have no clue what you're talking about. It started out as like kind of a, a shorter engagement and then it did really well. So it was on Broadway a little bit longer. And my friend, Emily Wong, who's also a horn player, um, mm -hmm. she was like, there's a lottery for this. So like we should go and see. So we got front row tickets for 25 bucks. And I'm telling you, within the first 20 minutes, I was freaking ugly crying ugly crime like and i'm sitting in the front row so like i'm really close to them so i'm like they can totally see you right so i'm just like i'm just holding my hands on my face like wiping the tears away because i didn't want to be like like ridiculous um and there's one part of this show You're, like in the front like a car just going, it is it that's exactly what was happening oh my god it was so funny um but the best the best part was there was this really like i mean like i said i was exhausted after that show like we got to intermission and i'm like hysterical and emily looks at me and she's like oh my god are you gonna be okay and i was like i don't even know i don't know like i think i need like 45 seconds to figure it out so so you like you have just enough time to like kind of collect yourself and then the second half and like all this stuff happens and and there's a part where she says what if the break isn't in my brain but in my soul and I, I mean, I didn't make any sound, but this guy behind me goes, oh, just like totally wrecked him. And I like reach back 
and we we held hands for like 30 minutes because I was like, I can't do it alone. I can't. I can't. So after the show ended, like we stood up, we hugged each other for a good minute. And it was like seriously one of the best hugs I've ever had in my life. And I oh think I'm a hug connoisseur. So, oh my God. It was, oh, it was yeah. just that I show. Yes, exactly. It was that show just where everybody, like everybody was in it. You know what I mean? And everybody was committed. And there's obviously something in that show that I feel like most people can relate to. And, and that's what I love, that feeling of like, and that's why I like playing music especially in a chamber group is just you feel that collective energy where you're experiencing this all together and whatever that emotion happens to be because it's a little bit different for everybody we're still doing it together and everybody is so vulnerable in that moment um and and that's what i i just love that i would see that show a thousand times um yeah it's just and the the beauty of that show is that there's some obviously in life there's some really ugly not nice things and that's one of, of the things I love about Broadway is Broadway allows the the medium allows for things that are ugly and not a great sounding voice at all times and real emotion and real connection of the emotion. And I love that. I love that. I love hearing somebody's voice crack. I love hearing somebody barely be able to make it through the words because it's, it's just like that's real life. And I, so I, I love being able to like harvest that and like i'm an empath so i love to feel things and so like when you can feel it collectively and go from like you know from one point a to point b and just oh just oh i love it i yeah if i could watch shows every day i would do it it's so great that's one of the beauties about music itself like there's so many ways to put commentaries to things without actually saying the actual message totally. you're trying to get across you're just trying to relay it through different ways absolutely i, I think it's fantastic yeah. um well, you did mention something earlier I want to ask you. So you mentioned your mom, and mm -hmm. how and you guys go see shows all the time, or you make these big trips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does your mom do, and how did, how did you get to teaching French horn in college? Like, what do your parents do? Did you <clears> have any <throat> musical stuff growing up? I did. My parents were both pretty good amateur musicians. My uh, dad sang and played piano. My mom played piano. She also sang a little bit. Um, my mom, actually, this was hilarious. I did not find this out. Um, I went and auditioned at Crane School of Music. That's where I did my undergraduate. And when I got, my dad took me because my mom was like, I'm way too nervous. I'm not going to go with you because I'm going to make it worse for you. So when we came back, my mom told me that she auditioned at Crane for undergrad. And I was oh like, gosh. what? I had no idea. I mean, I knew that she liked piano and she loved music, but <clears throat> I didn't know it was, you know, enough where she was like thinking about it as a career. And I was like, well, you obviously didn't go because I knew she went to another school. And she was like, yeah, I just realized, I think during that audition and doing all of the stuff, talking to people, I just didn't want to practice that much. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so she, I mean, she's always loved music. That's where I got my love of Broadway. Um, I feel like my mom and I are kind of connected in that because she went to go see a Barry Manilow concert when she was like seven oh, months yeah. pregnant with me. And she said I kicked in time for the entire two and a half hour concert. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this like soft spot in my heart for Barry Manilow too. Um, I love it. It's so weird when the song, my like I drive with my mom and of course she has a CD so like she plays it and I can sing all the words and I'm like, why do I still know these? <laughs> I haven't listened to this in forever, but <clears throat> I think it was like osmosis came in through the womb. Um, Barry Manilow turned you into a music Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we always had music in the house. Like I, I honestly can't remember a time in my life where I wanted to be anything other than like, I just knew music was my calling. <clears throat> so I feel really lucky for that, that I just knew yeah. right away. That was what I was going to do. Singing, playing instruments, 
I love musical theater, obviously. My mom loved musical theater, so we'd been seeing shows since I was little and going to, to New York and do all that kind of stuff. I was um, pretty active, obviously, in high school <clears throat> in musicals. I was in MAME. Um, which was really, really fun. And Oliver, I love doing, I love doing it so much. Um, and then I, I picked up Horn because I went to go see E.T. when that came out. That really ages me, I think, a little bit. But oh, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so I went to go home, see. That, that came out in the 80s. So <laughs> she now, went to see it in theaters. I was born in the late 80s. So. Granted, I was single digits <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> so there's that. Um but anyway, went to go see the show, and I mean, you know the soundtrack. It's freaking fantastic, and it's just, I mean, it's Sean Williams, so it's really great brass, and, and I just remember crying all the way home saying, I have to play the French horn, I have to play the French horn. And so ultimately, that's what I ended up ended up doing, and I was really lucky. I had a really great teacher my first year, and I loved him. He ended up being my teacher in high school as well, um, and he actually played at my wedding which was really fun. Um, so, yeah, so I think I always knew it was going to be a music, so it's kind of anticlimactic that way. But, um, yeah, and then, like I said, it was just we had a lot of music in the home, different kinds of music. My parents were really avid classical music listeners, so we would always go hear concerts. In fact, I was really, really lucky that when I was in middle school, um, I got to go see the Buffalo Philharmonic um, play Appalachian Spring, and Aaron Copeland was conducting it. What? Yeah. And I was Holy like, it's, yeah, it's, it was one of my favorite pieces. And it was funny in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like, I'm, like, I was like, I don't know if I could ever play an orchestra. And I was talking to my friends and they were like, why? And I was like, could you follow what he was doing? Like, I had no idea. I mean, Copeland wasn't necessarily known for clarity. He was much more of a, you know, like musician and kind of phrasing and all that kind of stuff. So I was just like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to follow a conductor. Um, but it was, I mean, I love that piece to this day. Like, I can't listen to it without tearing up. Um, it's so great. So anyway, and I had a lot of, like, my music teachers, Muriel Ely, she was my choir teacher. Like, we just, she just really pushed me. And um, Lee Brasino, who was my horn teacher that started with me and ended up finishing me off in high school, um, was, they were just great teachers and super supportive and really pushed me and really made me, there was a sense of confidence that I feel like I had just like, yeah, I can do this. Like, and if I can't do it, I can figure it out, which was like, I really credit a lot of that to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of went on from there. I always thought that I was going to be a high school band teacher. And I taught one year of middle school choir after I graduated. And I was like, nope. You're like, nope. <laughs> this is the puberty I don't want to do. <laughs> I don't want to do this puberty. So I always joke that I love teaching college because I love the second puberty, which is when oh yeah people are trying to figure out emotionally like who am i and i i love that process um i don't yeah. necessarily love the initial puberty um so bless you all of my fellow middle school we teachers love we love you music educators thank you for hanging in um you are stronger than i <laughs> exactly exactly so, so i mean so you, it seems like well, the way you're talking it seems like you've had like so many pivotal moments throughout your life that kind of made sure that you stayed on track with music and you had this like this guiding light pulling you towards you where you are now mm -hmm. i mean, I mean it, it kind of seems redundant to even ask but like is, is there one defining moment that like in your entire career your trajectory that was just like boom yes that's 100 percent it because it, it almost seems like everything is pulling you that direction but do you remember like these giant time stamps or these checkpoints where like yes yeah for sure i mean i think that that's a really interesting question because i had everything pulling me but i I mean, I had some real hard times in music. A lot of my teachers were like, 
you know, you're never really going to be good enough to be a player, and I don't think that you'll ever be able to, like, teach collegiately. So I didn't get a lot of support from a lot of my teachers that way, or I didn't feel that support uh, that way until I started studying with Jeff Nelson when I was doing my um, – I had done a doctorate, and they hired Jeff, and so I stayed so I could do a performer diploma because I really wanted to study with Jeff and awesome. um, yeah, the program at IU is pretty academic. So I was like, oh, now I can actually learn to play my instrument and <laughs> have time yep. to do that. So um, that was that um, I think studying with him. And I think the moment that was most pivotal for me, um, and I recently just talked about this because we just did a fearless seminar, a virtual fearless seminar a couple weeks ago. Um, but it was uh, Jeff invited me to come in early on a Saturday morning to do a warm up. He was going away with Canadian brass and he's like I want to get a good warm-up in do you want to come and I I felt like we were very new to each other at that point and I was like I didn't feel like I could say no but he wanted to go in at seven and I was just like I go in at like 6 30 every day and I was like I just want this one day to sleep in so of course I said yes anyway and um so we're playing <laughs> and um my fingers were coming really far off my valves and Jeff was like hey like you might want to watch your fingers because we're coming really far off you think it's like maybe messing up your timing a little bit and I was like, you know, okay. Like, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And I, of course, kept doing it. And uh, and he finally looks at me and he's like, no, really. Like, you might want to check that out. And he was really calm about it, you know. And I can't remember what I did. I don't, I don't, this is so awful. I feel awful because this is totally not my MO. I don't, I think maybe I rolled my eyes or some sort of non-verbal, like, okay, whatever. Are you whatever. sure that's not your MO? Are I you know. Sure? Are I'm you sure so sure that it's. I sit next to you in brass Quintet. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was. I, I'm almost embarrassed that I did that now, but Jeff just like in Jeff way because Jeff never yells. Jeff never gets like, Ugh, you know, he gets intense, but he certainly doesn't get angry. And he just like ripped in like up one side down the other. And he's like, listen, if you want to be mediocre, Whoa. you can do it on your own time, but you're not going to do it on my time. And just like really laid into me. And uh, so like I went home and I was really mad. And when I get really mad, I clean. <laughs> So I'm like vacuuming, right? I mean, I was vacuuming. I was like whacking it into like the wall. I mean, it you was like all... Joanna Gaines that has I... you just Listen. It nothing and put shiplap up. Yeah, and... <laughs> I think it was more like I Hulk cleaned my house. I mean, I was just like a beast with that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so I I finally stop and I, I and this is the, the the thing is I know this is such a pivotal moment because I can remember what my apartment looked like i can remember what i was wearing i remember what it was like what the temperature was like outside i mean everything about that moment i remember and i remember thinking to myself because i was in a really rough spot you know i graduated with my doctor i still didn't have a job and i was like starting to like felt like my confidence was eroding because i didn't believe in myself because i'm like how do i not have a job when i like work my ass off to do this all this stuff you know whatever and uh and i stopped and i was like the reason I'm so unhappy is because of choices I've made. And I have apparently made really bad choices. And I just, like, fell apart. And um, and th later that day, Jeff came over because I was driving him up to the airport. And I always knew Jeff pulled up <laughs> because I could hear him playing Defy Gravity from his car inside my house, which I loved. And I was really mad at him, you know what I mean? Like, initially, I'm like, who does he – he doesn't even know me. And he's, like, ripping into me, like, you know, whatever. So I was, that's kind of was the impetus because I was so upset and whatever. So I go out in the car, and he's like, you know, eh, he's a normal, happy self. And he's like, how's your day? And I was like, well, I think you know the answer to that. And he's like, do I? <laughs> and it just was like it, – it, it didn't bother him. Yeah, it was just in that moment where it was like that Jeff lives, eats, breathes it just like this is about growth this is about learning you don't have to be embarrassed you don't have to be ashamed sometimes we make bad choices on how we respond but 
And I had just like really, it was that moment where I was like, I am on board for this fearless stuff and I am on board for getting my crap back together and just making better choices, diving into what I can control. And, you know, as soon as I did that within, you know, a year after that, I, within six weeks of studying with Jeff, I won my first professional playing gig. And then, um, I was teaching all over the place. And within a year of that, I got two teaching jobs back to back. So, um, it's, that was the moment with, and it was because of Jeff. I mean, and I actually, when I was interviewing Stephanie, we talked about this where she was talking about how pivotal her relationship was with John Stevens, her teacher. And I mean, I'm so thankful for that. And it was so serendipitous how that happened. You know, I was working in the um, admissions office and I wasn't supposed to be there that day, but I was like, hey, I got a couple hours. I know you're busy. I can come in and help. And they were like, yeah, we need a TA. And and I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing a performer diploma. Am I eligible? And um, the person who was head of it was like, well, no, because you already had one. And I was like, no, I didn't. And she was like, oh, she's like, well, we don't have one. Let me call the brass guys. And they were like, yep, you can do it. So it was just like, just this real serendipity. Like if I hadn't been there that day and I only was like, oh, I know you're busy. You know what I mean? It was just a serendipitous uh, start to our relationship, which I'm obviously still really close with him. Um, and he's a real pivotal part in, I think, really helping me, you know, it's, the business can be hard. And although you, you may feel like you're on top of the world one minute, the next minute you can really talk yourself into being in the worst place you've ever been in. So, and, and he's oh just God. always been a, a supporter. And so that was the moment, I think, when that was the first time I think I had a teacher that really cared about me. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I want to take this time to, to thank the Indiana Horn Studio for sponsoring our podcast today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> checks can be made up from Harari Brass, yeah. uh, to Jesse, um, our Patreon. Oh, <laughs> God. So that, that, that's beautiful. And it kind of makes like the other two questions like lumped together because I had two other questions for you. It's like, obviously, what are you most proud of? And what's the most meaningful piece of advice you ever received? And it almost seems like all of these, these last three questions, technically, were the most pivotal moment or formative moment that you had lump into one almost one moment in time or even yeah. like one small chunk of time where it yeah it's your interaction with jeff and how it structures you to to push yourself forward and keep inspiring yourself to do music yeah i mean it's i mean i've definitely had like an up and down you know um for sure and i'm just so thankful to have had um the time with him that i had because i feel like because of him i've developed some skills that can really really help me pull myself out of some you know, sad situations, um, of course. which is, I mean, it's been so great. I mean, I think the thing that I would be most proud of is that I actually have a life in music. Like I've created something for myself. And I mean, I'm sure you've, we've all heard it as musicians, like, oh, oh there's no jobs, right? You can't make a living solely on music. And the fact that I'm, that I'm doing that. Um, and I have a job that I really, really love. You know what I mean? Which is really, really great. And that I get to do Marari. I mean, you know, I think we all kind of feel that we come in as soon as we sit and start playing, there's this collective like sigh of just like, yeah, this feels like home. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. And I, I think that, that I have started to really like include more Broadway that I've started to sing more, you know, just allowed myself, like you just see the things that are what makes you happy. And this is what makes me happy. And I think, really starting to honor those things and be able to live in that and have a life because of those things is something that I'm super proud of. 
I, I, w- I remember telling Sarah when I saw her in the airport from our last performance we had in New York. I was like, I, I get more excited seeing you guys in the airport now because it's like, oh, oh, there's my friend right here. <laughs> we got to go make music, music with him it's really, really soon. And oh, it's so totally true. It. Yeah, it's totally true. And, you know, there's, there's no other place that I play that it just and a part of it's because the intimacy of the group and because we all know each other pretty yeah. well and we all like each other so that helps um but it's just like coming back to this music that we all just really love and making sounds in a group the brass quintet specifically that we all really love um and it's just a a, a wonderful place i think for me that i felt like like i can try things you know what i mean i can like not sound good when I'm there because I'm trying to figure something out and there's room for that. Like there's room for growth. There's room um, emotionally that I don't feel like I have to apologize, you know, for like, Oh, let me try something and see how it works, you know? And that, I don't think that necessarily is always the case. I think sometimes it's like, Oh, you have to come in being perfect. And, And I love the opportunity to like feel like there's room for everybody to kind of develop who they are and their voice and how we work our voices together. And, um, and it's always been like that. I mean, Stephanie and I were talking about that yesterday, that how lucky we've been that every time we added a member to the group, it was almost like this like instant fit, an instant fit, where it was just like, yep, this feels right, you know? And, and you can't really describe it. I mean, obviously, we always had good musicians coming into the group, so certainly that helps. But I think a really big part for us was like they have to be a, a like a person, like someone that you sure. want to spend time with and someone that you do feel like you can trust and that you can come in and, you know, fail together and succeed together and that we can all lean on each other when we need to. And, and I think this group has been really special that way. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that in the group. I just like sitting next to you because you're so full of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> and because I just laugh well, I... really loud. Yeah, yo, I, but see, I love that. And so, <laughs> so I, I actually have two more questions for you. Okay. Or three if we have time for it. All so, right. Um, you, since, you, since you're doing a good segue on that, is what makes you laugh the most? Oh, Please say me, please say me, please say me. I mean, you are pretty hilarious. <laughs> so there is no yes. doubt behind that. Um, oh, my God. Well, okay. So <laughs> usually when I hang out with my sister – we always end up laughing really hard about stupid stuff, which is great. So she's pretty yeah, hilarious. She's pretty funny, too. Yeah, she's hilarious. Um, I love it when I get to hang out with my own old college friends because they're like this like connection to your past. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, man, I was really funny back then. <laughs> and, and, and I love being connected. And I worked really hard to like maintain more of those connections because I loved that time so much. I loved my undergrad experience. And I love those people. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I'm I'm not hard to make laugh. Jeff makes me laugh all the time because um, he's just so ridiculous. You know what I mean? I mean, I love jokes. I just, I love laughing. So anything, my favorite feeling is just like when you laugh so, like, this happened to me obviously several times. When you laugh so hard, you're like, I'm going to throw up because I'm like dry heaving from laughing so hard. <laughs> You know, just like tears. Like I remember this conversation. It was like my two old roommates, and I don't even know what we were talking about, but we were hysterical, and we were out to eat, and this waiter comes over and we tried to order the food, and I decided to put my finger up, and we were hysterical. Like no one can talk, so he's like, "I'll come back." So he goes away, 
10 minutes later, like we finally pulled it together. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> and so he asked what, and I go to talk and I just, I couldn't do it. I just started laughing and I was hysterical. Usually I laugh the hardest in moments where I should not be laughing the hardest. Like, Oh, preach. Yeah, me too. Like when it's, you're supposed to be quiet and I'm like hysterical and trying to hold it in. Like, oh God, it's awful. I've been gotten in trouble so many times just because I'm like, this is yeah, there's so something ridiculous. About when, when you're laughing at something that is that inappropriate or when you're not supposed <laughs> to laugh, it makes it even funnier. Oh my God. Laughing at it. Yeah. And especially when you're you like, meta about it and you're like, why are you laughing at that? And yeah. Like, <laughs> well, usually it was because my mom was like, stop. Like, she's, like... For those of you at home, Je Jesse gave me the stare. <laughs> the stare, right? So, and her, like, yeah. lips would disappear because she's pressing them together so hard because I know she wants to punch <laughs> me in the face. But it's just, like... And then it makes it worse. And you know you're going to get in more trouble, but you can't... I couldn't... Usually when I get going, it's really, really hard for me to stop. So... I feel that. Yeah. Feel that. And you're welcome for all the times that I get you going. Exactly. You know, like, oh, my God. I love it. entire thing. I can't wait. Um... Well, let, let's let's kind of close with like one more question, and this sure. is and, and and take your time with this one. But obviously, what is you've you've gotten so many good things from the teachers you've had, but I want to ask you like, what is the most meaningful piece of advice that not you've gotten from someone else? It could be. Hmm. What is the most meaningful piece of advice for someone who's potentially listening to this podcast that wants to pursue your your job or not take your job away, of course, but like to do something that you're doing? What is what is something that that you've discovered along your path? that you could give to that person that might help them achieve their dream in the same way you're doing it? I mean, I think, I think it was kind of a culmination of like what I'd heard from people. And then when I finally like internalized all that and like really thought through it, um, it basically was no matter how many times somebody tells you, you can't do it. Ultimately it's up to you. I mean, all of my teachers before Jeff told me to some degree, about something that I was not good enough. And I, I, I think I really started to internalize that. And, and that's where that moment was really, really hard for me when I first started working with Jeff, because I was just like, you know, it was almost like a last ditch effort, you know, like, okay, like yeah. this is the last chance really that I have to like figure this out. Um, and I felt like, you know, I had this low spot where um, I was like, you know, maybe I just need to do something else. And I was going to Jeff's office to do some work on something. And a trumpet player, Joey Tartell, came in and, and he was like, there's some profanity here. But he was like, what's going on with you? You look like shit. And I was like, well, thanks. That makes me feel much better about myself. Um, and I was like, well, I think that I, I think I might, you know, do something other than music. And he was like, why? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm not sure. And he was like, well, that's just it. You don't get to quit because it's hard. You quit because there's something else you want to do. And it, it, it is that thing where it's just like, I really kind of let what I was getting from everybody else kind of define what my outcome was going to be. And when I started working with Jeff, I'll never forget it. And he was like, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for me right now, because I think you can do it. And that was the moment. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was the moment for me where it was just like, you know, don't let anybody else tell you. You know, all of those people, like I said, within six weeks, I won my first professional audition, you know, and I was teaching everywhere. And then within a year of studying with Jeff, I was winning college teaching jobs. And, um, and, and I, I don't think that was because all of a sudden I got better. I think it was because I believed in myself and someone else believed in me too. Um, and it's, it's amazing how one statement like that can literally change the course of your life. And I'm really, really lucky that I had that. Um, 
and it's just it's something that's always stuck with me so when i am in those hard moments it's like you know no one else can, and that's why like it's my policy i never tell students like maybe this isn't for you you know i'll say listen you might die before you get there because it's taking you this long because you're not committed to it but i'm never going to tell you you can't do it because that's not up to me that's up to you and and i think that's a really important part of this whole thing if you want it and you are committed to doing it i think most people can get it and do it that's beautiful well i'm totally stealing that so <laughs> yay well it has come to that time that we we have to end our conversation but with that being said i want to make sure that everyone knows at home make sure you stay safe keep practicing and as always jesse what do we say Stay unmuted. That's right. Bye, folks. Bye.